a lot of people live in denial because they think that to be realistic is to be depressing. I'm Dr. Mike, host of Going There. It was the first song where I wrote about how I felt like my depression was killing me and I didn't want it. Going There breaks the stigma of mental health issues by having real honest conversations with your favorite musicians, including Alessia Cara, Lizzie Hale, Jewel, Jason Isbell, Gerard Way, Lauren Gray, Shamir, and Barty Strange. There was something there that was so raw where I was like, wow, I can't believe someone would say that. Let's go there on Going There with Dr. Mike, brought to you by Sound Mind Live and the Consequence Podcast Network every other Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Consequence Podcast Network. Should we call it a soul revival from the greats like Charles Bradley, Sharon Jones? We can add another to the list. Duran Jones, The Indications. This week on the What Podcast, part two of our chat with Duran Jones, The Indications. Last week, Aaron Frazier. This week, Duran Jones of Duran Jones The Indications. New soul, is it a trend or is it here to stay? We find out this week. The What Podcast, Barry Corder, Lord Taco, Brad Steiner. It starts right now. Podcast, which bands this year that matter? I'm Brad. That's Barry. I guess we just got Barry coming in from work. Look how pretty Barry Quarter is. Where's the raggedy tie dye t shirt and you know the headband? Well, first of all, you know I need to say uh, first time caller. I just want to say go Braves, and I'll hang up and listen. Oh. <laughs> to Gross me there. out the door. Yeah. No, I thought I'd get dressed. I thought I'd get nice for Durand. I felt. Oh, is uh, that right? Yeah, oh, you never get nice for me. Well, you don't sing like he does. <laughs> <laughs> you don't I, make uh, music like he does. That is true. Uh, I, you know how much I love this. I'm not going to try and dork out as much as I did last week with Aaron Frazier, but you know, Duran Jones, the reason why I even went to ACL this past year. You know, I went to ACL. I saw him in the in a in an after show. I then saw their show, and then I saw Aaron Frazier. Yeah. Frazier. Um, I'm just such a big fan of the uh, entire band, and I feel like I'm watching like this incredible progression of an artist um, in f- right in front of me. You know, yeah. I, and I said this to Aaron last week. I truly do feel the first time I saw Alabama Shakes, that's the way that I felt after seeing Duran Jones. I felt that m- something is moving, and I feel like I get to be a part of it. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. And, and I want to get into it with him, but I'll ask you now before we, we do. Um, and I know you're a big soul guy. I'm a big soul guy an RB guy, but is this a trend? I mean, is, is there enough well, to be clear? I love R hate B. I, uh, Oh, okay. Uh, all right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it may be, <laughs> you know a what I mean? Question, is there a shift? Yeah. I want to ask him, um, uh, because we didn't have a lot, uh, of this type of, you know, really deep soul music, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. Or, or if it did, until, you could, you, what you couldn't find it, you know, it wasn't Sharon. as accessible until yeah. Sharon, you know, it, it does feel as though Sharon sort of changed everything. Yeah. And, uh, well, I want to get into it with him, but I just want okay. to make sure that I, I wasn't, uh, alone in that, you know, mm-hmm. cause just because we've talked to two guys that put out this kind of music that we like doesn't necessarily make it it's a true. Trend, but. I know it, it's, it does feel a tad circumstantial, but I mean, with all that being said, have, have there ever been this many acts at one time in our generation, in, in our lives? No, not, not really. Last. I mean, we'd have to go back to the seventies, right. you know, you yeah, have to go to yeah. Teddy Pendergrass. The, yeah. Curtis Mayfield and the, yeah, for sure. Um, and you're right. You might be right. It was just, you know, hard to find. And, you know, um, the, the, they just did an incredible job curating. I mean, that is an incredible record label, rather. It's an incredible right. record label. They do an amazingly brilliant job. In fact, I'd love to just get somebody from it on the show and talk about the, the history and success of that, of, of talk about the genre. If you want to talk about the genre, go to the people that, that yeah. rebuilt it. Because, I mean, and you you know, as well as any, it's all about demand. I mean, if people want to hear it, the, you guys and radio and uh, the record labels, they'll they'll sell it. If it'll sell, it'll they'll make it. So there probably were people doing it. There just wasn't as much demand, but it sure is good. I like it. Yeah. I, I mean, have you ever just taken a day where you've uh, like gone through Daptone's roster? <laughs> no not that specific oh my god yeah <laughs> oh my god yeah i mean every you go from you know charles bradley lee fields sharon jones the shaladas the archaics you know it is a it's a home run after home run it, it's sort of like hitters on the braves you know, they're just hitting ones into the sky and they're never coming down. Yeah, they're never. I will say this uh, Saturday while I was doing some uh, home remodeling, I played the Aaron Frazier uh, album. Uh-oh. And then when it, it ended, uh-huh. uh, I guess Apple Genius or whatever kept playing other artists like a lot of the ones you just mentioned. So I had about three or four hours. Uh, it wasn't intentional, like, you know play me dap <laughs> you know i thought that you were going to say that you were mopping the floor to aaron frazier and the wife came over and had sexy time <laughs> i didn't work out that way <laughs> but i'm not going to say it was aaron's fault <laughs> he did his part <laughs> uh, that is terrific uh, so if you haven't figured out by now, uh, part two of Duran Jones and the indications today, uh, last week, Aaron Frazier, today, Duran Jones. Uh, before we get into that, I'd love to, uh, I, I think I need to issue an apology. Last week, I said that festival season has officially ended. That was incorrect. I missed some major festivals, one in which is Halloween, um, a festival I've actually never been to. And it sort of surprised me that Halloween was even happening. I I guess I just totally forgot it. And right. 
it totally slipped my mind. Um, but yeah, it happened. And I, um, even though I've never been right, I feel like it's the festival that most of my Bonnaroo friends talk about loving the most. Hmm. It's got some sort of it, the culture of Halloween is the closest that I can probably say is Bonnaroo's from afar, from somebody who has never been, you know, this year, yeah. string cheese incident, Skrillex, Leon Bridges, my morning jacket, Krung Ben, um, you know, they're, they've got a sound, they've got an absolute lane and they lane. stick in it every year. Well, and just the name, I mean, it. I, I, I don't know that we, I think we talked about this several weeks ago. It just sounds like it's probably a whole lot of fun. If you, you know, a, a place to just have a good time and let, let, let go be crazy. It's a rager, and I don't know if Dad's knees are going to make it. I don't know. If I think back you probably gonna... you probably mentioned that before. Yeah, it, it's probably true, but you'd be surprised. <laughs> so, if anybody that uh, is a you know a listener of this podcast went to Halloween, please um, share some of your stories at the what underscore podcast on uh, Instagram and Twitter. So, the other festival that I miss, and I don't know how we missed this one either, Barry. I feel very out of the loop and I feel like a terrible host and a uh, terrible steward of the music festival genre. But uh, apparently it was Q fest in Dallas and the headliner was JFK jr. Now um, I hate that. I didn't get a chance to party with my brothers and sisters at Q fest, but um, were you not checking in were you, with your daily uh, updates on? I, I must've missed the newsletter. Yeah, uh, I saw turns out I think the headliner missed the newsletter too. I don't know what happened, but he didn't show up. Yeah. Yeah. Just like him. Is it? <laughs> After all that hype. Did we get any report as to why he missed the big Q fest? Well, depending on who you listen to. Uh-huh. Because some people said he didn't make it because he's dead. What? JFK. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Hang on a second. Yeah. Some people I have, want I really to believe that he didn't make it. Because he really, actually went down in that plane. I've really, really thought about this so much over the last 24 hours, Barry. I love QAnon. I love these people so much. They are batshit fun. They yeah. don't make any sense. I just don't understand how um, a group of people who who hate the government so much, and they especially hate left-wing government so much, why have they put all of their faith in a... <laughs> John F. Kennedy's son, who could have been more liberal, running a <laughs> a magazine showing off pretty men in like I what sense does any of this make? I don't know, but I love it. Oh, I know. Uh, you, you get the sense there's probably a bunch of people sitting around just like, what you got? What do you know? What's the oh crazy? Just you're... throwing shit at the wall. Like, Yo, they're going to love this. They're going to love that's this. good. That's good. Put that out there. What if you threw out an <laughs> idea out there and nobody really liked it? What if, like, is there like, 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 QAnon, the, like rejects? Yeah. Like they, they put it out there and somebody said, ah, nobody gonna believe that. <laughs> what would that I got be? him to bite on this JFK junior thing, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> what would it be? That's I, a good question. I, um, the other thing too, about the QAnon thing, I, they, um, so they, they, they make the, they had the big, the amount of people there, Barry, right. The amount of people there was astronomical. And the other, what if they were Right. Like, imagine up. this world and all of a sudden if right through the neighborhood where good old dad died here comes jfk Jr. here you go he shows what if up they were right that would be funny 
he'd say, well, I wasn't going to come out, but you guys found me. I mean, and here I am. You call it funny. I mean, there would be a new world order. There, we would be. Yeah, living, that's true. We would be boarding up the windows. They'd be taking over if all of a sudden they they were right. Ooh. You know, I've told you uh, during our show at some point that I've interviewed Lewis Black on several occasions. And one of my first questions is always, you know, what's it like? You wake up every day, open the paper and material is pretty much not handed to you because he has to work. And the last time I talked to him, he was like, yeah, it's getting harder and harder because what I try to do is be crazier than what the reality is. Yeah. And I can't do it anymore. You know, just stuff like that. Yeah. You know, what really... if a comedian came out and said, ah, ha, ha, did you hear the latest? JFK Jr. is going to be at this festival. And people would look at him like, well, well that's not even yeah, funny. What, are, what are you talking about? This guy's bombing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I paid for this. It is pretty, um, yeah, tough times, tough times for Lewis Black. Uh, yes. I, uh, I really enjoyed that. I, I really can't stop listening. And, and frankly, if I didn't think that I was being watched by Russia and the government and all these other people, I probably would be on these QAnon message boards. I think that there's so much fun that, that like they don't make any sense. And I don't know why I revel in this nonsense, but it's just great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, anything because by the way, because by the way, if if in fact this vaccine gave me some 5G technology, why is my Internet not better? <laughs> Give me that 5G, man. I need. That's true. You should just coverage. be able to put the mic up next to your head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should be not even I shouldn't even have to speak right now. I should be right. like the thoughts should be coming out anyway. All right. So uh, Duran Jones today, I wanted to also. um at the end of the show, but Taco's not here. So I feel like I've got a punt yet again on talking about Dune. Mm. I so badly want to talk to someone about Dune and I've got no one to talk to about this. Yeah. We got to wait for Taco. Um, although I did, I keep waiting to talk to it with people who have seen it acting as if I'm someone who saw it. I got 45 you, minutes in before I fell asleep twice. You, so I did. You saw it. I saw enough. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, I feel bad about it. All right, so there like you I go. Said, it's it's not quite, you know, Frodo looking for <laughs> taking hours and hours and hours to get rid of that dang ring, but it's a little slow. Mm -hmm. Sort of like you and the lady finding that if ring. The, if the music hours right. after hours. After hours. <laughs> yeah, right. Duran Jones and the indications. Our guest today on the What Podcast. <laughs> Duran, there he is. What's up, man? Man, hey, how's it, is, it going? That's Good. great to see you. Good to see you guys too. What's happening in Duran Jones's life? I can't, um, I can't be more excited to talk to you again, um, it, especially on a week like this where you know you wrap up the final show of the year and uh, you know you're you're killing it in Halloween and and I, I don't even know what to say about the last year. I can't even imagine what you have to say about it. Oh, man. Well, you know, the work never ends. You know, one door closes, another door opens. I'm um, actually just recouping from tour for a little bit. I'm going to mm -hmm. head to New York City 
tomorrow to play with I, Prez Hall. I heard. A jazz band. Yes. Yeah, so. New Orleans own Prez Hall and Big Frida. What in the world yes, is indeed. going on? Why has New Orleans come to Big uh, Brooklyn? I don't. I, well, you know, Prez Hall is about to celebrate their uh, anniversary. And uh, they just invited me to come along with them. So I'm excited, man. That's awesome. What are you doing? (laughs) Uh, I'm going to sing a couple of songs with them. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I text messaged uh, Ben Jaffe earlier today. I know Ben. I know Ben. Yeah, Yeah. he's a homie, man. That's my brother. And um, yeah, we were just shooting the stuff, you know. Yeah. He was like, what you want to do? I was like, I don't know what you want to do. I was like, we'll figure it out at dinner. Tomorrow. I want to shoot so. is what I do when people ask me hey. what I want to do. So, Duran, what's what's uh, interesting about Ben? And I don't know if, if Barry knows Ben very well, but um, so Prez Hall, the Prez Hall guys just opened up here in New Orleans. A a what used to be one eye Jacks it's now Toulouse yeah, Theater. I heard about that. And Big Frida was their sort of opening show. And the way that, you know, Ben Jaffe you know him when you see him. Let's just put it that way, oh, yeah. right? Like, he's just got this hair and he's got this presence. He's just, he's he, the most recognizable person maybe in New Orleans other than Big Frida. <laughs> and so he's just sitting there, man in the door, you know, just working the door as you walk in. I'm like, what kind of world am I in right now where there's Wynn Butler from Arcade Fire on one side of the bar, Ben Jaffe's working the door. This is the strangest <laughs> night in the world. Um, but yeah, that'll be, that'll be really big for you. That'll be a, a lot of fun considering if you don't know, listener of the what podcast Durand Ascension Parish's own. Was it Ascension? Oh. Are you from Ascension or it wasn't Orleans? I was born charity hospital. Um, my dad was living out in new Orleans, but shortly thereafter, after I was born, he moved back to his hometown, Hillaryville, Louisiana, Hillaryville. which is in a, which is in Ascension Parish. Yeah, which is uh, yeah, if you don't so. know, Bear, about an hour away from New Orleans. Yeah, I thought you guys were uh, lived close or knew where each other had lived. Put it that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Well, yes, we, indeed. Where in where in New Orleans was it that um, that he brought you to? You didn't? Did you spend any time here, by the way, or did you just go straight to I Ascension? Did. Yeah. Um, well, I was really young whenever we moved back to Hillaryville. I was still a baby, but, you know, just, just knowing that, like, that's where my soul body was, like, awakened in this earth. I was always intrigued with New Orleans, so I did get to live in New Orleans for a little bit. I lived in the Gentilly area mm-hmm. um, after I finished college. And uh, it's really where I kind of cut my teeth um, as a musician, like really figuring out a lot of things. So, um, so not Bloomington, Indiana? <laughs> Sorry. Well, I went to Bloomington, <laughs> Indiana for, uh, for grad school, I, you know, and that's where I met my band. But, um, you know, once we all finished college, we didn't think anything was going to happen with the indication. So some of the cats went to New York City, some went to Chicago. I went back down to Louisiana, and that was like the true start of my professional career. Like I was just I was out of school, um, and I was just trying to get into bands. So I would go to jam sessions out on Frenchman Street on Monday nights. And Stray Cat? Um, that, that Stray Cat or Spotted Cat? Uh, uh, 
I went to some at seven, uh, what is it called? 70 by 90, 60 by 90. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. The start Something of Frenchman like, Street. That's right. Yeah. And uh, La Maison. Mm-hmm. Um, I would go to BMC. DBA, um, Royal Frenchman Hotel. Yes. My yes, man. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. And yeah, from there, I met hip hop artists and funk bands and gypsy jazz bands. I was playing a lot of saxophone around that time. And um, yeah, yeah, that's where that. I really started to cut my teeth and gig and really try to make it as a full-time musician. That all so makes I'm so more thankful sense. for New Orleans all, about that. Yeah, That all makes more sense, and I, I'm, I'm making light of it. Obviously, we talked to Aaron last week, and this idea of you guys getting together in Bloomington, Indiana. I'm from Lafayette, Indiana, so there's when I when we think of soul, Indiana is not, you know, maybe the uh, epicenter. Gary, I mean, Indiana, maybe. But Gary, nah, blue, yeah, we maybe. decided Gary, yeah. maybe. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's why I was. That's why I've made the comment. <laughs> I mean, it's it's it really is. Um, I'll put it this way: I'm not going to make any assumptions. How much of New Orleans is in you as a musician songwriter? Oh man, it's really deep inside. I know for a fact that when my soul leaves my body. I don't want my body to be laid to rest anywhere else but New Orleans. Like, it's my favorite city in the whole wide world. And um, every time I'm there, I feel em- I feel embraced and I feel loved. So, Well, come on back. I, I have a – what year were you traveling up and down Frenchman, cutting your teeth, as you, sp- as you say? I bet we know so many of the same people. I bet <laughs> if I start rattling off names, you're like, oh, yeah, I- well, go play to Kermit's with him. If if you don't mind, complete the sort of circle because Aaron, like I said last week, sort of told us a bit of the origins. Um, but I I don't remember him saying that you guys all sort of dispersed after grad school. So how did how did it all come back together with the uh, with that those same guys? Well, so I was living in New Orleans, and um, right around. Uh, the end of the summer, um, Coal Mine Records. In the summer of 2015, Coal Mine Records announced that they would release um, a single um, of Duran Jones and the Indications, and that song was titled Smile. And to me, it felt like somewhat of a big deal, you know, just like um, a lot of my friends and bandmates were excited for me and a really good friend encouraged me to come back to Bloomington to actually move back to Bloomington. So I packed up all of my crap and I moved back up to Bloomington just to be closer to the guys, try to make something happen. Fast forward a couple of months later, um, June 2016 the record came out. Um, and by this time, um, I was not actively working in music full time anymore. It, it became a little bit more of a side project. Um, and I was working of all places in a science lab. And um, I was dreaming about, you know, ev- I was just like, every day, I would like, anticipate five 
p.m. so I could bring my ass home and get to the piano. Like I, I just knew that like playing music was what I wanted to do, what my soul calling was. And so then June happened and the record was released um, through Coal Mine Records. And I've played in so many bands before, from classical to hip hop to jazz to rock and roll, all the way down the line. And this was like the very first time in any bands where I was seeing that the reception um, that we were getting, like the the interviews and um, the the recognition and all these different things um, were really popping off. And so I talked to my boss about it. Um, and what were you doing, by the way? What, where were you working? What kind of boss did you have to ask this to? A scientist. Um, yeah, okay. I was working in a yeah, but what's in he, an eye science lab. Yeah, but what are you doing in a, in a, in a science lab? What What is it? <laughs> what is that job? Oh, man, I was a research associate. So my main job was to uh, use this device, like a microscope, that would uh, shine a very, very, very tiny light within your eye so that I could see your retina. And from there, I would snap pictures of it. Um, and then the pictures were really, the pictures were code. So like, then we would decode uh, the information, the data from the microscope, and we would render uh, pictures of people's retinas so that we could tell to see like, What's going on in there? Like, do they have age-related macular degeneration? Or we would scan dia people with diabetes mostly because um, mm. loss of eyesight is correlated to diabetes. So we would see if there's diabetic retinopathy in there as well and some other diseases. But AMD and DR were the main ones that we focused on. And, I mean, it was kind You talk of about fun. it as if you're doing it right now. <laughs> How is it that you still have this wealth of knowledge about microscopic eye picks? I'm just sitting here thinking, can you work those words into a song? That'd be uh, <laughs> and then you said it was fun. This sounds anything but fun. It could be fun sometime when we have yeah. patience, but a lot of the days it was very, very slow. And on those days, uh, my boss just gave me lots and lots and lots of peer peer-reviewed articles to read. Um, some that took days to read because I did I could only decipher a paragraph like every hour. There's just so many complex words and <laughs> and terms and things that I never heard before, you know. But I was happy to to learn and, and to do that. Um, and she gave me that job. She told me at the end because she thought that I was capable and smart. And uh, it worked like it totally worked. Um, she made me believe in myself a little bit more and she really instilled some confidence within me. You know, well, so I mean, if there's I, anything, if there's any more of a testament of getting out of your comfort zone, <laughs> you know, you did it and you <laughs> succeeded at it. That's you no. Know. But it doesn't sound like it was one of those jobs where you could uh, take your mind somewhere else and write songs while you're doing it. You had to focus. Yeah. You know, definitely. like. You know, John Prine was a mailman, so he got to drive around eight hours a day and write songs in his head. Brittany but, Howard delivered yeah. the mail. Yeah, this oh, was wow. a little different. That. That's funny. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. it really was. I bet that so, was tough to give up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, no kidding. Know, crowds. <laughs> I gotta walk away from this career. I don't know <laughs> how I'm gonna do it. Uh, so I uh so you you are in Bloomington. I'm guessing that you're not there for very long before you guys say, All right, let's let's really let's really do this, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I quit my job and then I moved back down to Louisiana. But this time, instead of New Orleans, I went to my hometown, Hillaryville, and I lived with my grandmother to help take care of her part time. But whenever I wasn't doing that, I was writing songs and um, hitting the road with the indications. And that was uh, really the start of us um, really taking this thing or trying to bring this thing to the next level, you know, mm-hmm. trying to make it, trying to make careers out of it. Yeah. You said something a minute ago that le- that leads me to a question that I wanted to ask. You said you were in a lot of different musical groups, but this type of music was the one that seemed to be getting the, the most reaction. Um, is that correct? Yes. Does it feel like Brad and I were talking about it a little bit before you came on, uh, I mean, we had Aaron on last week and Brad and I both love this type of music. Does it feel to you like there there is a trend towards soul music or is it just coincidental that we love it? And, you know, we've had you and uh, Aaron on in, in recent weeks. Definitely a trend. And, you know, like before I moved to Bloomington the first time, like for grad school, um, I didn't know what exactly was happening in the soul scene. Um, it was when I met Blake Ryan, a guitar player, and he handed me a Charles Bradley CD. Mm-hmm. The and Flying he was like, Eagle of Soul. Yes, yes. May he re- forever rest in peace and power. Um, he gave me the No Time for Dreaming CD, their very mm-hmm. first one. Mm-hmm. And this was back in 2012. Mm-hmm. And this was the first time I've ever heard a dap tone um, artist um and and then immediately after that i was introduced to sharon jones and may she forever I, too. yes and immediately i felt inspired you mm-hmm. know like i i felt like i could have a voice in making music like that um being capable to make music like that and then like doing like my, a little research digging deeper you know like seeing that Michael, Mark Ronson worked heavily with, with the Dab Kings and Dab Tone Records as well as uh, Amy Winehouse and mm-hmm. uh, Salam Remy and all these really great folks. And so I was just like, wow. Um, I, yeah, like, I would love to write music and be like this. So I um, stand on Charles and Sharon and the like of them shoulders because they kind of cleared the path for the indications to be a band, to be successful. Like they really like went in the jungle or the thick of it all and just cleared a path and outlined a way um, for us. And I feel like we're clearing that path even more now for other young artists who are trying to do what we do. So it feels really cool. Man, it it warms my heart in ways and gives me chills to hear you talk about stuff like that because I was feeling the exact same way when I listened to Charles Bradley the first time. 
when I listened to Sharon Jones the first time, the two, one of the two greatest musical memories I have in my life, and I will probably cry talking about it, is when Charles Bradley played Bonnaroo the very first time, only time. And it was right after that album, right after he had really, you know, found a found a lane. And, you know, there might have been 300, 400, 500 people there. It wasn't a big attended show on the main stage on a Saturday morning, Sunday, midday, something like that. And the tears that he flowed, he got off the stage after the show. This is the what stage of Bonnaroo. He gets off the stage and goes to every single person in that, in that pit and hugs every one of them. Mm. Every one of them. It's because he spent 40 years trying to get there. 40 years. Yeah. And he finally got it. I mean, that to me is, is like the, the, the is what I shut up. You know, I mean, this yeah. is this is what it's about. And then Sharon Jones, one of the greatest shows I've ever seen in my life is Valentine's Night, you know, and on a romantic night with, you know, the wife and some friends. You see her in Atlanta and she had just it was her first show after her first chemo treatment. And you, you could see her struggling. But my God. If that's struggling, I want every bit of that energy because she's got it. She, I mean, she was was exploding across the stage. Two of the greatest, you know, at least for me, two of the greatest artists I've ever seen in my own with my own eyes. I, I love them with all of my heart. Yes, I agree, man. I never got to see Charles. Um, we were going to play a show with him um, October of the year that he passed. Um, which was heartbreaking, but I did get to see Sharon one time and it was one of the most amazing nights of my life. Yeah. I will never forget it for the rest of my entire life. I mean, encore after encore after mm -hmm. encore after encore to say like, you know, like she had just, you know, like she was really going through it with the cancer, but like she did not let that even though her body was fighting against her, she did not let that's right. her spirit deter away from her purpose. That's right. And I feel like that's what soul music about. That's, that's soul right. power right there, baby. That's you know, right. like she really had it. She mm -hmm. had it. And I, I, yeah. I really wish we could have uh, met uh, because I really do feel like we would be friends. We have so much in common. Uh, mainly one being that Gladys Knight is our favorite soul mm. singer. <laughs> well, there you, so that the encouraging thing to me here is a couple of things. One, that you feel like there's a trend. That means there's an audience, which allows you to yes. make new music, which is incredible. But also, I'm older than you guys, and one of the things I've learned is there are like entry, you know, there are entry performers and entry songs. You know, somebody might hear you and not have heard of a Sharon Jones or. I can't imagine not have heard of, heard of a Gladys Knight, but you know, uh, it, it makes people want to discover more and eventually get back to the Gladys's, the, the, you know, um, the impressions, uh, yes. you know, Otis on and on and on the Charles Brad. I mean, you know, that to me is the fun part. And that to me is, is so important. Um, you know, yes. people to learn, where you got your inspiration from and then to be inspired from it and to, and discover it as if it's new. Uh, you know, that's one of my favorite expressions. Uh, 
somebody says, man, I, I wish I could hear that person for the first time again. You know, what a cool thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the um, you say Gladys Knight. Um, interesting that you say that and not Otis Redding first. But <laughs> but I would also I would throw a name in there for female. Uh, Miss Carla Thomas. Um, oh, man. I think Oof. that when you when you put Otis and Carla together, it was magic. Uh, and you can feel the chemistry just explodes. But, you know, Carla didn't have the, the career that a, that a Gladys Knight had. So I understand. I understand why you went Gladys. But ooh, ooh, yeah, <laughs> there's room. Hey. There's room for everybody. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that King and Queen album that Carla and Otis did is like mm-hmm. one of my it's like in my top three mm-hmm. of all time. Well, albums. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's in the top three because the other problem is the other two are Otis Redding albums. Uh, you know, that's my the essential Otis Redding is is, is the greatest piece of, of art I've ever listened to. It's yeah, I think I think Dreams to Remember is the greatest piece of art ever created. Um, it's pretty, I think it's I'm going to put Al Green in there somewhere, too. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Yes. Well, so so with all that being said, you know, you you get the, the band and, and we've gone through the progression of the band, um, you know, in previous weeks. But what I love about it now and being maybe the only guy in the country um, exploding with which you, I love with you so much. I think this song is a smash and in it. And I think it does all the things that I love of, about you guys, right? It's, it's playful. You can dance to it. You can get a little sexy time with it. And it, it <laughs> plays with you and Aaron so perfectly, you know, when you guys get in that pocket on with you, it, it's magic, right? So, you know, you can start to see a progression. I say that I've said this a hundred times about you guys. I feel the same way that I felt the first time I saw Alabama Shakes at Bonnaroo. I said, I feel like I've, I've just discovered something that's going to sit and grow right in front of me. And if anything, you tell me if I'm right from the first album to this album, I'm starting to see a pattern of you guys really, really figuring this thing out and where you want this to go. Yes. Um, yeah, man. Um, we like since that first record, which we we wrote all of that stuff in the years of 2012, 13, 12, 13 and 14. Yeah, we, yeah, we do. We did stuff in 14 as well for the first record. Um, we just took our time with it. You know, it was a side project. Um, and then, you know, that, that thing didn't get released until 2016. And by then, when the American Love Call came around, you know, like, we had all collectively, like, moved to our own spaces, places. Uh, we were just figuring out what adulthood means outside of college and stuff like that. And we got on the road and we really learned about each other because we never, well, I personally haven't lived with any of the guys before. I know some of them were roommates before in the past, but um, we really got to learn about each other and we, you know, life matures you, you, you go through relationships um you have your ups and downs 
your triumphs and your tribulations, all that stuff. And I, I really do feel like those experiences kind of, if you really, if you really try, you can apply them to your art. And um, I really do feel like just going through um, maturity and, and learning how to be a grown ass adult really helped our music out so much. And um, I really hope, you know, that folks who listen to these albums really do hear and feel the progression um, and hopefully see that the future is bright and that we can go in a lot of directions and places. Um, it's really exciting as well because pretty much everybody in the band now is collectively working towards making the indications as the best as it could be, but also has like all these little side projects as well. So it's cool that we have like a nucleus mm-hmm. where we're all together, but outside of that, you know, like we, we, we all have our own things too, which is Barry. Really what was the, uh, what was the analogy that Aaron used last week? I was gonna, yeah. Aaron said it was, it was like uh, being a superhero, one of the, In the Marvel, Marvel universe. Marvel yeah. universe, yeah, where, yeah. You know, it's so true. Like one of <laughs> uh, you know, Hulk or whatever saves the universe. The rest of you aren't jealous because uh, you know he got more press than you did, or type yeah. of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a great analogy. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Just as an aside, what was that traveling together like? I mean, you you allude to it. You know, you, you dance around it, but you're now stuck with a whole bunch of people that you really haven't spent all that much time with. Um, how much of a, how much of a job was just that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Are you talking about traveling when mm-hmm. we first started? Yeah. Yeah. When, oh, man. I assume it was in a van. Yeah. Yeah. We were in a smelly van. Feet. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we were in a van. You know, by the end of tour, the band definitely had uh, our collective funk in it, (laughs) you know, Um, and we didn't have a trailer. So we fit all the equipment and all of the luggage for a band of seven in a tiny, I mean, in that tiny back compartment. It was ridiculously crazy. We stuffed in there. um, We slept in hotels when we could, we slept at friends' places a lot of the time, slept on floors. It was really tough. Mm-hmm. But I think we all knew that, you know, to get this thing started, we needed to put in the sweat equity, you know. And a lot of young cats, they come to me and they ask me, you know, like, how do, you know, I get to where you are, blah, blah, blah. Sweat equity is one of the main things, you know, like, it sucks, being an independent artist, musician, trying to, you know, get yourself in places in those first couple of years can be rough. I mean, they were pretty rough for us, but we stuck it out and we stayed tough. And I think, you know, even just like seeing how excited and or how touched people were from the music just kept us going. But yeah, those first couple of years, it was a grind. Oh, the total grind. I'm. I just can't. I'm so glad you said it that way. I really am. You know, it is. It is the biggest. It's the biggest missed opportunity for kids in this industry who 
show up and then get on TikTok or get a streaming song. And then all of a sudden they see the, the benefits of a hit, you know, and they yeah. miss they miss the part of the, the part of it where it makes you grow as a human being. Right. That that time that you spend on the road makes you a better artist, makes you a better singer, makes you a better songwriter. All of these things, you know, affect you and just being dropped in off of a TikTok song. Eh, you, you're yeah. missing the you're missing the shot. You're missing I was the good part. The thing. There's a lot of good music that's been made in some kid's bedroom, you know, with a computer. Uh, but what you're talking about is a whole nother level um, yeah. of growing up, yeah. developing. Yeah, yeah. For well, sure. well, I I hope you you keep doing it, Duran. I I mean, I said this to you, at ACL Fest. Um, you know, first off, very jealous of Duran Jones and and his style. The man can wear a hat. <laughs> And I get so jealous of people who can hold a hat. I can't do it. And he looked at me. He's like, you could hold a hat. You could wear a hat. And then he looked at me a little bit more. And he's like, no, you could. No. <laughs> so, no, I've seen it. I've seen it, Duran. Uh-uh. It doesn't work. Uh-uh. So, so I got to um, ask for you. You sound like you're, I can't believe you haven't asked. Uh-huh. What was that like? Because Brad has bragged for two shows about that ACL where, you were in the back watching Aaron perform. I mean, yeah, he was standing of, next to Adrian from Black Pumas. Kind yeah. of glossed over yeah. that. What's I mean, what's that like watching uh, that happen? Oh, it was absolutely fabulous. Um, you know, I I had to be there and I had to support my boy. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I wasn't gonna be like the dude that's too cool for school. I wanted to dance, you know, and and really show him that, you know. Uh, the vibrations that they were giving out were giving my soul everything that it needed. So, cool. yeah, no, it was I mean, really fun. Yeah, I, t- I told you, like, I went to ACL because of Duran Jones. I went, I went to see you guys. I thought that that first show that you did on Thursday night was incredible. My God, did that you. that energy work? I thought the 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 ACL show was great, and then I stayed the next day for for Aaron. Um, and it just, you know. Like I said, and I'm not going to belabor this point. It it felt like I had just seen the Alabama Shakes for the first time, you know, right after wow. their their first Bonnaroo show. It, fe- it feels like it's it's a real real thing, and I'm just so happy. I feel like I've got my own little, I got my new little thing. Um, although I've, you know, I've you got all the records and, and listened to you guys for years, it does feel like you know. Do you? How about this? I'll put it this way. Do you almost feel like a new band? No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> Is, is it weird? Is it weird, though, for a guy like you who's been doing this for so long and you just went through the whole, you know, litany of, of work that you put in? Is it weird to find people finding you for the first time? Is it weird that people are still finding me for the first time? Is it? I'll put it this way. If somebody walks up to you and say, hey, I just found your band. Is there a part of you in the back of your mind that says, where you been? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, no, not really. Okay. I understand, right. like, I understand that, um, and I wish more people would understand just like how much music is being made right now. It's crazy how much music is being made. I, I saw one statistic about like how many songs are put on Spotify I saw the same in an thing, hour. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's wild. It's so crazy. And I wish, other musicians, if you're hearing this, seeing this, like if if you like 
tell some folk like, hey, have you heard this? And they're like, no, don't be shocked. Cause like, it's just so much stuff going on out here. And um, yeah, like that, that's one thing with me. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm I mean, totally cool if they I mean, know. you've got, you've got, yeah, look, you're a much better person than I am. I love the shame. I love making people feel shame for not being where I am. I really like it. Uh, Durant, so, by the way, to, to wrap this up, where are you right now? Where, what, what city are you in these days? I'm you in, in San Antonio. I'm in Stop San Antonio. It. You don't live in San yes. Antonio, do you? I do. Yes, what? I do. Wow. Were you, mm-hmm. were you, were you not, were you room for the Astros? Were you, were you a Houston guy? Last week, last week and a half in the World Series, I watched a little bit of it. But honestly, my brother was my brother was going for the Astros, but I was kind of going for the Braves, rooting for the uh, Braves, you know, like okay, <laughs> good for you, me too, right. whatever. <laughs> Brad's not a fan. I well, am. <laughs> Duran, have have a blast with Frida. Have a blast with Ben. Um, and that'll be a really good show. I, I'm actually jealous. I want to go. Uh, but yeah, have a f- and, and come back to New Orleans soon, buddy. I, I I can't wait to have you guys in. I can't wait either, man. Um, I got a project that um, I'm gonna be dropping pretty soon in collaboration with Southwest Airlines. Um, really? What is it? They brought they brought me all around New Orleans. I took camera crew to all of my favorite spots, and I performed a little bit. Stop in it. Preservation Hall in there, so. Be on the lookout for that. It's going to be on all the social media stuff. So I'm kind yeah, of offended yeah. I wasn't invited. How did you miss Brad's house? Uh, I've got to next time. I had to take you to the pals. I take you to my favorite <laughs> bar. Oh man, next time, bro. Next time, <laughs> I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna tell management to uh, link me with your number or something so that yeah. we can so we can. Is it stay a, on a closer connection? Let's do it. Is is it a song? Oh no, it's like a whole series. So it's like a. 30 minute video. Stop it. Kind no of kidding. Like, kind of like the Bourdain style of things where I'm just going to restaurants. Uh, I'm going, I went to Euclid. I went to B, B Mike studio. I went to preservation hall. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just talking about new Orleans with artists and creators and Stop it. Uh, farmers and all this kind of stuff about, you know, the culture, the life and mm-hmm. why we love the city. That's so, incredible. Yeah. Very cool. Yes, please, please get with me about that because the radio station will be all about that. Word up. I'll I'll put the radio station all over that, man. Cool, cool. All right, man. Duran, I'm I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy for the band, and and I can't wait to see you guys again. All right? Thanks so much for this. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you. I really appreciate it. See you, buddy. I'll send send you some eye pictures, and you can dissect them for me. All right. Well, hello there. This is Brad Steiner. This is Barry Corder. And after you check out the latest episode of the What Podcast, be sure to check out some of the other great programs on the Consequence Podcast Network, including... Rootsland. It's an original story of two friends who take a musical and spiritual journey from the suburbs of Long Island to the streets of Kingston, Jamaica. Or Kyle Meredith with... Where you can find interviews with all of your favorite musicians and bands. Hosted by our guy, Kyle Meredith. New episodes air weekly on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Head to Consequence.net to listen to these podcasts and many great others.
Jones of Duran Jones, the indications. Um, man, I, I feel like uh, I'll just put it this way, Barry. Uh, I'll take the thank yous now. Yeah, I appreciate you. I really do. Thank you. Yeah, you turned me on to. No, that, I thank you for both of them. They're great. I was trying to do the shame thing that they, I was telling Duran about. I was, uh, you know, throwing some shame at you. Uh, he played that right off. I know. I know. Um, I, I look, I, I just can't, I, I can't keep saying it over and over and over. I really do love this band and I really do feel as though, you know, I, you know, there was this, I think one of the great stories in all of music over the last 10 years was from boys to girls, boys and girls to sound and color. I think that progression of a band going from album one to album two, maybe one of the biggest leaps I've ever heard in the music industry, right? I just, there's, to me, you go from, anyway, I don't want to, but that's what it feels like to me. It feels like they are right there. They're right there on the precipice of making this really great. And if you haven't heard with you, it's one of those songs, and I say this on the air all the time, considering I'm the only guy in the country, you know, willing to go on a limb and play this song. But it's one of those songs, if you put it on around people, they're going to do this. Who that? Well, is this that's what i'm excited about it's got that tone i'm excited at the idea that uh this type of music um is a thing um yeah you're right and i you know i and i i've done you know i've done this long enough to know that it comes in cycles and i don't want to sound like the old guy like you know music was way better back when because i don't say that i don't mean that there's a lot of great music being put out um but i'll the idea of real musicians playing real music about songs that touch people um, mm-hmm. is great. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think it's, uh, I'm excited to see where it yeah. goes. And he well, was great. And Aaron was great. And yeah. uh, thrilled to talk to both of them. Really, really, you know, a, a, two of my favorite conversations uh, yeah, this, uh, sure. this past year, uh, another good one next week. I don't want to spill the beans, but I'm really, really excited about next week. It will be a what podcast first. We'll yeah. see you then. On what podcast? It's Barry and Brad. Love you. Bye. Consequence Podcast Network. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.
When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.